Every five years, the church gifts that time to us. And one of the things I've noticed that we've wound up doing each of those sabbaticals is that um, I feel like I need to see something old and something beautiful. And something about seeing things that are old and beautiful has a way of refreshing my soul, has a way of uh, letting me see the faithfulness of God and that he's at work in a lot bigger way than I can comprehend. And our first sabbatical 15 years ago, we were able to spend a week with Eric and Ellen Peters in Turkey and take a tour of the locations where the seven churches of Revelation uh, began and uh, one year we went to San Diego and I remember saying to Carl and the kids I want to see the sunset on the Pacific Ocean you can't get any older and more beautiful than that and and we we flew into San Diego we we got to the coast and we sat on a rock that first night and watched the sunset off the coast of San Diego this year um, one of the things that Carl and I did right at the end was we took five days and we went to the east coast. And I said, I want to see water splash against rocks. I, I want to see the lighthouses. I want to see the east coast of Maine. And so we flew to Boston. We spent the night with Bill and Jan Hager. We stole their car the next morning and we went up the coast of Maine. And uh, for those next four nights, we just stopped in a different spot all along the way. We saw in we saw seven harbor towns in four days, and we were moving. And uh, we got to all the way to Bar Harbor, and uh, I almost backed out, and Carla's like, no, you, you want to get, let's go, let's keep going. So we, we went on to Bar Harbor, and we did what I realize you do in every harbor town now. Uh, you, you hunt for a parking place, people are traveling, it's packed with people in cars, we squeezed into a parking place there at Bar Harbor. I put enough money in to hold us for four hours, and we started walking the streets. And just like every other harbor town, there's T-shirts and coffee mugs and magnets and keychains and, and uh, hats and fudge and ice cream and things made with wood. I mean, every town, that's, that's what we found. And, and so we got to uh, Bar Harbor, and, I, and we had been walking a little while, and I'm hunting for the perfect mug to remind me of the place. And I dip into this little T-shirt store, souvenir store, and Carla comes in. She heads on out, and I'm in there, and it's winding deep, and finally find the mug. I want to come back and purchase that, and, and, um, and I walk to the front door of the souvenir stop, stop there in Bar Harbor and I and just as I'm stepping out of the door onto the sidewalk people everywhere the freakiest thing happened I totally was disoriented I lost my the way I, I, I could not figure out where I was I'm not talking about 10 minutes it was like just long enough for that feeling you get in your chest of just like I don't know where I am and I couldn't remember if we had come in the store from the left or if we'd come in the store from the right. I mean, it had been four days of this. I, I, really, I didn't know if we were on the left side of the street or the right side of the street. I just got in that store and got turned around. And, and I was just, I don't, even, I don't know where we're going next. I don't know what we're doing. And I, look, I saw the sky right here. And I looked, and Carla was standing right there. And I went toward her, and I was like, man, that was weird. I just kind of lost where I was for a second. And kept going that that two seconds of being disoriented 
kind of losing my way. Not sure whether to go left or right. It's kind of a snapshot of where some of you are this morning. You've lost your way. And not sure which way you're going. Why you're here. What's next? It may be going on for two weeks. It may be just the summer. It may be the last year and a half. It may be COVID. It may be uh, the last decade. You've lost your way. Psalm 85 is the song to sing and the prayer to pray if you've lost your way. Verse 1. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God, of our salvation. And put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again? That your people may rejoice in you. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. God knows the way, but it's possible for us to lose our way. It's possible for us to become disoriented in this life, not know what's next, not know what decision to make, not know what we're thinking. In fact, what does it look like to lose your way? Maybe you're sitting here and you think, I, I don't think so. I don't know. Here's what it looks like to lose your way. The first characteristic is you lose your mind. You begin to lose your mind. I mean that you begin to think thoughts that you've never thought before or thoughts that you haven't thought of in a long time. You start thinking about things that you would have never considered doing. You start thinking about decisions that you would have never considered making. You begin to lose your mind. You begin to dwell on things that suck life out of you. You begin to dwell on things that create great anxiety in you. You begin to make choices that are even for a little bit have you saying, did I just choose to do that? But listen, it can go so far that you can lose your mind to the point to where you don't even recognize that you've lost your mind. And it'll take 
somebody else in your life, and you maybe, if you had listened to them long enough, if you had paused just long enough, you would hear somebody who loves you and cares enough about you. So they, they might say, even with frustration, you've lost your ever-living mind. You've lo- you lost your mind. Who are you? I don't even know you anymore. Where'd that come from? You remember when the story's told of the prodigal son in the New Testament in Luke 15, the prodigal son, he comes to his father and he said, I want all of my inheritance. And he goes and he says he wastes his life. He, he, he spends all of that and he finds himself in a, uh, feeding pigs and desiring to eat what they're eating. He's so hungry. And, and then he turns around and he comes back home and the, and the description that's given in Luke 15 is this. It says that, and then he came to his what? Senses. He came to his senses. He got his mind back. What, what happens when we, we, we lose our way? We start believing the father of lies instead of the father of truth. And, and there's no remembrance of what God has done, no remembrance of what God can do, no remembrance of how God has worked. A second characteristic, not only we lose our mind, we can lose our purpose. Now, these can be independent of one another. You might say, I'm lost. I'm still making wise choices, but you can lose your purpose. You can kind of forget where you're going, which direction you're headed, why you're here. Maybe even this morning, you, you, you're thinking about the school year, you're thinking about what's ahead and asking, what am I even here for? Why am I alive? Why do I go on living? What was I made to do? And you can have that completely independent of of making wise choices and and right decisions, but just a sense of, I don't know where I am. I don't know what I'm doing. A third characteristic is you can lose your life. When we lose our way, we can lose our life. And, and, And tragically, that physically that can happen. We can lose our way to the point of, of, of it. the most dramatic place would be you get to the point of losing your life because of it. And probably everybody in this room has a heartbreaking story of somebody that you know and they begin to ask, what happened to her? What happened to him? And they say, they're not real sure. Just Things just got wobbly in their life and started making some crazy choices and 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 they, they just they just lost their life if we don't lose our life physically we can lose our life spiritually we can lose our life listen soulishly we can lose our life soulishly where we would look around and we're putting our our hands to things in the day and we're just like you know what the greatest description of my life right now is just lifeless I wake up lifeless. No, no, no energy, no zeal, no passion. Nothing really matters. I don't care about much. There's it, it just the best description is that my soul is numb. My soul is lifeless. And when we lose our way, we can lose our mind. We can lose our purpose. We can lose our life. Now, these three things can 
it can go beyond just an individual, just individually in this room. One of those characteristics or all of those characteristics may be happening in your life, but listen, it can also happen in a relationship. It, it can happen in a, in a marriage. In a marriage, we can lose our mind. In a marriage, we can lose our purpose. In a marriage, we can lose the life of a marriage. It can happen in a church. It can happen in a church if enough people in a church, just their, their thinking changes, their, their purpose changes, their life changes. A church can lose its life and there's no zeal, there's no passion, there's no energy, there's no drive, there's no mission. Have you lost your way? What do we do to find our way? How do, how do we get back on our way? Psalm 85 is the good news. Psalm 85 is the song we sing. It's the prayer we pray. And when you walk away from here this morning, you're saying, I, I was that guy, I was that girl. I kind of lost my way. And here's a song to sing on your way out. Here's a prayer to pray as you face Monday. And as you begin to work down through verse 85, I find three prayers there. Uh, kind of three stanzas that we could sing in this song. And number one is this, remind us again. Father, remind us again. Father, remind us again. Remind us. Break that word apart. Re, put a little hyphen there and then put the word mind. Remind me. Rewrite the program in my mind. Redo my thinking. To, to, re, to, to remind means to put the right thoughts back in our mind. And I, and I want to challenge you, if you've lost your way, to begin to pray. Even while I'm preaching this morning, Lord, would you remind me of the right things I need to be thinking about, that I need to be dwelling on. Look at it in verse 1. Lord, it starts there with this reminder. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Those three verses have two commonalities. Number one is all three verses mention you, referring to God. It's what he did. But then the second common thread in each of those three verses are past tense. Past tense. And remember, this is a song. It's something you sing over and over again. It's a prayer, something you pray over and over again. And where the song starts is with this reminder of what God had done in the past. And, and the way we begin to find our way is to ask the Lord to redo our thinking, remind us of what needs to be on our mind. And where he starts here really is a picture of salvation. You forgave the iniquity of your people. Lord, remind me that you've forgiven me of your sin. You covered all their sin. Lord, remind me that you've atoned for my sin. You withdrew all your wrath. Father, remind me that I'm no longer an object of your wrath. It, it's a, a, re, a, a redoing of our mind with the right thoughts. I love how the Old Testament and the New Testament connects. And when I read this chapter, I think of Philippians 4. And Philippians 4... It writes, let me just read it to you. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. This is verse 4, Philippians 4. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. That's kind of like be in your right mind. 
Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your what? Minds. The peace of God will guard your minds. One of the things that happens when you lose your way is you begin to lose your mind. You begin to lose the right way of thinking. In verse 9, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what? Think. Think about these things. Think about these things. Listen, the the path to getting back on your way is to figure out what you're doing with your mind and what you're thinking about. Number two, here's a second prayer. Restore us again. Restore us again. Verse four, restore us again, O God of our salvation. To remind is to put the right thoughts back in our mind. To restore is to put us back into use when we lose our way we lose our purpose and how do we get our sense of purpose with why we're breathing and living we begin to say Lord restore us put us back into use when you hear the word restore you're going to restore something what what comes to mind if you think about um, I I was involved in restoring this what, what what comes to your mind furniture First, furniture. And you're digging around in the shed. You're digging around in the garage. And you you pull something back. And there's that old table. And you look at it. And you think, gosh, I haven't seen that in years. And you drag it out. And you rub off the dust. And you get rid of the cobwebs. And you sand it down. And you you paint it. And you shine it. And you take it in the house. And you put it by the door. And you look at it with excitement. And and here's what happens. In many ways, it becomes more valuable and usable than it had ever been before. And when God biblically begins to restore you, to give you a sense of your purpose, it's like he's pulling you out by the power of your spirit and sanding you off and polishing you up and painting you up and putting you in a place for service to where he looks at and he said, I want to do more with you than I've ever done before. Listen, call out to God and restore me, Lord. Put me back in to use. Remember Simon Peter? Simon Peter tracking with Jesus for three years and he gets to that critical moment and he denies that he knew Jesus three times. Jesus dies and he was buried and he rose again and he finds Simon Peter and he goes to Simon Peter and he says to him, Do you love me? Yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Simon Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. Then tend my sheep. Simon Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then feed my sheep. What was Jesus doing? He had died and was buried and rose again. And he came and he restored Simon Peter to his mission. Some of you feel like, man, I've... Pastor, I've been on the shelf. I've been in the back of the garage, in the shed spiritually, just checking the box, just keeping life by habit, not clear about what God wants to do. Can I say to you, on purpose, 
with intentionality, the Spirit of God has put you in this room this morning, and He wants to restore your life. Now imagine this. Imagine your husband today being restored for purposeful use for God. Imagine your wife being restored today. Imagine your teenager today being restored and God bringing them back to him to be used for his glory. Does that excite somebody in this room? Lord, would you restore us? Would you put us back into use for your glory? Here's the third prayer. Remind us again. Restore us again. Revive us again. Verse 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? To remind is to put the right thoughts back in our mind. To restore is to put us back into use. To revive is to put life back into our soul. Is there a spark there in your soul this morning that you would pray, Lord, I'm tired of being numb. I'm tired of being cold. I'm tired of being hard. I'm I'm tired of being lifeless. Would you revive me today? You say, we want revival in our churches. Do you know what the church is made up of? People. Individuals. You want revival in Watkinsville First Baptist Church? You know what we got to do? We got to do what that old preacher said years ago. We got to draw a big circle and then we got to put ourselves in it and we got to say, Lord Jesus, send revival to our church, but let it begin in this circle. Let it start right here. What kind of things are revived? Maybe a sport is revived. Some, somewhere and some place, some sport will experience a revival over the next few weeks and months because of what someone has seen in the Olympics. We will have seen excellence and we think, you know what? I want to watch more of that. I want to participate in more of that. I want to do that. And the sport's revived. I saw the day that the girl from Auburn won the gold medal in, the, in gymnastics, that that very day Auburn sold 1,000 season tickets to gymnastics. That very day. It's life. We, we, rest, we see a town restored. You ever been in a town that was like, man, this place is dead. Or this place is alive. Carl and I were traveling along the east coast of Maine we we came to some towns that were alive there was one town we came to that was dead and I'd booked a room there and uh, and uh, and we drove around and it got quieter and quieter in our car and I got quieter and quieter and we were looking for people that would look friendly toward us and, and, and there were lots of buildings and lots of streets but no cars but the park was full of people and like it just seemed like kind of exchanges were going on there that were not legal and, and, and our inn was right beside that park and um, it looked so 
good on the Priceline Square, you know, and 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 uh, we pulled in a, we actually drove by it at least twice, maybe three times, and we came, we pulled in the parking lot finally, and we we parked and we just both sat there, neither one of us said anything, and I I looked at her and I'm, I'm gonna go in, and she's well I'm gonna wait in the car, I said, no you're not waiting in the car, <laughs> and and. And she, and she she said, "Well, I'm not getting out." <laughs> and I, and and so we 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 sat there a minute, and I said, "Look, you want to just keep riding?" Like that was a yes. I was like, "All right, I'm over it. We're done. Behind us, we're going." We pulled out. We left. Then we just drove away. It was dead in that place and I thought we're going to be dead if we stay uh, here ourselves and and but you've been in a place all those other places that we stopped alive life life and and would you would you today begin to pray Lord would you Bring life to my soul. Would you remind me? Would you restore me? Would you revive me? I was thinking this morning, songs we sang, some of the songs we sang were as new as wholehearted and as old as revive us again. And I've said again and again over these years that we're not a church that's trying to be contemporary or trying to be traditional. But one thing I do want us to be able to say, whenever we sing, whenever we preach, whenever we meet, is that place is alive. It's alive. And, and, that's, and that's the prayer, that's the song of Psalm 85. That's the prayer of Psalm 85. But when God starts reminding us and God starts restoring us and God starts reviving us... There, there, are two, there are two opportunities that come along that we got to be on our guard, that we got to watch for. When God starts reminding and restoring and reviving, there's these, these two opportunities. One is there's a treasure, and the other, there's a temptation. There is a treasure and there is a temptation. Let's start with the temptation. And the temptation is in verse 8. He says, let me hear what God the Lord will speak. That's, that's the prayers being answered. He's reminding. He's restoring. He's reviving. Say so that's happening in your heart even today. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. And then here's the temptation. But let them not turn back to folly. When God starts working, Satan starts waking. And when you rouse the enemy, he's going to start hanging those lures out there. You know, no, 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 no. Come back. Come back. Come back to your old ways. Come back to where you've been. Come back to this. This is what you want right here. And, 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 and the psalmist is in the prayer for revival and restoration and remembering. He's saying, don't turn back to your folly. It's interesting that the only time on our trip during those five days, places I'd never been, the only time that I felt lost was in that store full of trinkets. And I got turned around in there. 
And in this world, Satan will hang out the trinkets just trying to get you back to that place of folly where he wants you. Remember, he's the one that came to kill, steal, and destroy. But there's another opportunity here. When you're praying this prayer, there's a treasure. And that treasure's in verse 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Where's the treasure? Right there, we just read it. We just read it. The treasure for us, when we are reminded of who God is, when we are restored to God's use, when we are revived in our life for His glory, here's the treasure that comes. We start delighting. We start rejoicing. We start finding our joy in His salvation. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? I wish... I wish I, there was some way I could save you the money that you will spend as a teenager or a college student or a young adult or maybe even a retiree looking for treasure in this world when the God who created you is saying, here's your greatest treasure, delight in me and you will find absolute satisfaction. Listen, listen he's, here's the treasure, it's, it's the it's joy in our salvation. It's rejoicing in who he is. And he said, what, what's that? Look, just look at it. Most beautiful words. He's, verse 10. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Is there anything better than that kessed love? That steadfast love? That faithfulness? Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good. The invitation here in this psalm is for us to get caught up in a group hug with God Almighty. He personifies here steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. And the invitation here is to delight in that. You ever seen a, maybe this moment in a home where there's a husband and a wife and the room is empty and the three-year-old, four-year-old's out of the room and the husband's sitting in the chair and mama sees the husband and she walks over and she's feeling kind of kind toward him and she sits down in his lap and they start talking and looking at each other face to face and it's a beautiful scene there and all of a sudden that quiet special moment, the three-year-old comes running into the room Mama, Daddy, what are y'all doing? And, and, and it jumps up in the lap and before you, and he's like, let me in here, let me in here. And the, just wiggles in there and you're like, oh, oh great, great, good, good, great, great. And then finally, and then the three-year-old just stops and looks and here's Dad and here's Mom and what's the three-year-old do? So happy, so good, right where she wanted to be. That's the invitation. That's the invitation of Psalm 85 to come get into the arms and the lap and the life of God Almighty and, and bask in who He is. Delight in Him. Rejoice in Him. How do you find your way back? You've lost your way. Start praying. Start singing. 
need some direction. When we traveled up the East Coast, I, I didn't have a lot of plans made, just a few places that I knew we could sleep. Some of those didn't work out, but um, I, I did know this. I knew there were some lighthouses on the coast of Maine. I'd seen the postcards. I wanted to see if they were real. I wanted to see the water splash against the rocks. And so I just put in certain lighthouses up the coast of Maine. We'd go toward those lighthouses, and then we'd just visit the town and the area around them, see what we could find. We, you, know, you see this screen here and see that on our stops as we started into Maine, we came to Noble Island. Uh, that's taken with my phone, right, just standing on the shore looking across at that lighthouse at Noble Island. And then we went on up the coast and we got to Portland, and that's the Portland headlight uh, there off the coast of Portland at Cape Elizabeth. And then we went on up the coast and we got to Bar Harbor, and that's Egg Rock uh, and Bar Harbor. And those lighthouses became just kind of the point of direction. What do you do if you want to find your way? You don't need a lighthouse. You need the cross. And today, you set your eyes on the cross of Jesus Christ. Where steadfast love and righteousness and goodness and faithfulness is demonstrated extraordinaire. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, how do you find your way? Put your eyes on the cross. Monday night, how do you find your way? Put your eyes on the cross. Friday night, how do you find your way? This fall, how do you find your way? Put your eyes on the cross. Start right there. Start with the cross of Jesus Christ. And you will be on your way. Our team's going to come and they're going to lead us in a song that's kind of a song of celebration. It's a song of request. It's a song of hope. But I want to invite you to come and pray. Don't miss this moment. The Spirit of God's tugging. You know, you know from the start of the message that it's you, you kind of lost your way. Need maybe a sense of purpose. You Start praying today. Start singing it today. I want you to know these, this front is open as an altar. What is an altar? It, it, it's just a it's symbolic of a place where something dies. And, and I'd invite you to come and just, just lay it down. Maybe a marriage needs to come here and, and, and pray. Maybe a, a man or a woman or a teenager and just say, Lord, I'm, I'm laying it down. I'm asking right now. Revive, remind, restore right now. But it could be you're here today and you've never gone to the cross. Start with the cross today. Maybe you need to be saved today. You need to say to Jesus, I don't know where I'm going. I need you. Forgive me. Save me. Lead me. And be saved today. If you want to talk about being saved today, I'm going to be right here at the front can help you with that, can pray with you, come and pray, there's nothing more important than being obedient to the Spirit of God right now, stand, pray, sing, move as the Spirit leads, let's go before the Lord.